And welcome back to another episode of Shuffle and Repeat, the podcast. Uh, thank you all for welcoming me into your podcast rotation. I am DJ Sir Daniel. And as a DJ, do you know what's the most important thing to me? Solid records. And you want to know why? Because if there are no solid records, I don't have anything to spin at your weddings, your clubs, day parties, etc. And if I don't spin, I don't live. That's the fate of us all of all of us DJs. And um, enter the songwriter. These are the creatives that tell us to put our left foot in and take our left foot out, because that's what it's all about. <laughs> and in this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with the talented Brian Patrick Davis, an Atlanta creative, and the author of the brand new book, Songs About Boys. So when we come back, we're going to delve into what the story is all about, which songs has he written about boys, and other salacious tips like that. <laughs> but it's going to be a fun show. I'm really excited about this. So stay tuned. Thank you for joining at Shuffle and Repeat, the podcast. Hello, advertisers. It's DJ Sir Daniel. Thank you for listening to my show. Don't you love my voice? Well, it can be yours for an on-air spot just like this one. Email me at shuffleandrepeatpodcast at gmail.com. That's shuffleandrepeatpodcast at gmail.com for details on how you can get your own custom-made cotton candy sweetest gold live commercial spot. Let's get this money. Welcome back. It's Shuffle and Repeat, the podcast. I am DJ Sir Daniel, and let's get it cracking. I, without further ado, I'm really excited about this. I want to introduce Brian Patrick Davis. How you doing, Brian? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. This is awesome. You know why? Because the last time, I think the last time I saw you in person was at the paper, um, a paper mag party, party. last year, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the book mm-hmm. at that time, and I was talking about this podcast. Uh-huh. So it's like doubly dope that we're here talking about the things that we are working on, we're working on, and now it's come to fruition. First of all, congratulations. Thank you so much. Fruition is a really good word that I use all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you write it down and it will happen. Yes. And yes. speaking of writing, um, the book is called Songs About Boys. Yes. So how long have you been living with this character, Sidney McKenna, and his story? Oh my gosh, you pronounced the last name right. That's a dope name, Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, honestly... Um, I have always been a really big fan of um, African-American. Um, I, I don't like to use the word queer, but mm-hmm. I'm going to use it anyway. Okay. Um, literature. All right. Um, you know, and we have a few stars of that. Like, of course, there's Elin Harris, um, Terrence Dean, mm-hmm. um, James Earl Hardy. But it's been a really long time, I feel like, since we've had anybody that has um, given us those stories in a current, up-to-date sort of way. Right. Um, Those are amazing stories. I have always been really partial to Elin Harris. But when I read those stories, I don't necessarily see myself in them. Okay. Um, Different time. Yeah, just a different time. Mm -hmm. The way people dress. I always read the characters and I'm like, oh, that just sounds so tacky now. (laughs) You know, that that was always how I, how I, you know, 
the, a lot of those stories are from like the early mm-hmm. 90s. Yeah. So it just, um, I wanted to kind of like bring it to bring it to 2017 now. and beyond, right? Yeah. And honestly, too, um, one thing that I always tell people is that um, with portrayals of African-American gay men, I always see, um, I don't ever feel like I connect really with any of them. Um, A lot of times the narrative is about, you know, the down low man or there's not really a big spectrum. You're either on the down low or you're a drag queen. And, Mm. and I feel like a lot of times um, I don't, I don't relate to either one of those narratives. So um, I was talking to a friend about it, maybe like four years ago and just telling him how, like, you know, um, I love to write. I've always loved to write. It's always been um, a passion of mine. And um, I started the outline maybe like three years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. And then um, last year, Um, I had a lot of free time because I knew I was going back to school to further my education (laughs) and, um, shout out to CAU. Right. And, um, so before I started school, I literally just sat down and I was writing all the time. Like, um, and, um, I work in studios primarily at nighttime, so my day was pretty much filled with writing all the time. Like I would sometimes rent like a workspace for the day and mm-hmm. go there and just write. So um, the process, I guess, in totality has been like a maybe three three to four year process, but the actual physical sitting down and writing probably took me like um, maybe eight months. Oh, wow, um, okay. Because I had, because I write all the time, and I have so many um, visual references that I pull from all the time, and I have several, several notebooks in my house, and I'm just always writing down things. Right. It was easy for me to just sit down and buckle down and really just write the story mm-hmm. because I already had it and the characters fleshed out. Good. You know. So you, you had the opportunity to outline everything and like you said, to flesh out the character Sydney McKenna. And it brings me to this other question. So author um Toni Morrison mm-hmm. says that her characters always haunt her. They they like stay with her regardless of how long ago she wrote a book. Okay. <laughs> so now the Songs About Boys is out on um, June 23rd, Mm -hmm. June 23rd. Um, Does Sydney still have more stories to tell? Does he have, you know, other things that he comes to you and says, listen, yo, we gotta, you gotta put this out and talk about this. Yeah. um, It's so interesting that you say that because, um, you know, I think for, for all of us, um, we're, we live in such a, a, a visual space. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was writing the book, I literally just wanted to write a book. Mm-hmm. But um, then so many ideas, because it's the story is based around music. And um, at the core, it is a love story. But music has always been a huge, huge, huge part of mine. It's like part of my life. Like, it's just such a passion for me. Um, I wanted to somehow bridge the gap between those things so um um, and all of my friends are very musical creative people Mm -hmm. and everybody was like 
you know, you should turn this story. This would be dope if this could be a, a Netflix series hmm. or if it could be, you know, so um, I don't want to give away a lot of things as far as that piece of it, but that's definitely something that I'm looking to in the future. And because I want to continue to grow with these characters, um, there will definitely be more things to come that involve Sydney. Also, in addition to that, um, something that I do when I, you know how you work on something for a long time and then you need to take a break from it and you need to come back to it. Mm -hmm. In the interim, while I was writing the book I also wrote um, a series of short stories that kind of like involve the same characters but not using Sydney as the main character but they still live in that world um, it's tentatively titled Letters from a Fuckboy but I'm thinking about changing <laughs> it you know um, what <laughs> that that's very Netflix appropriate and ready to go if, yes. if you ask me so. yeah so but so yeah I um there is a whole world of these characters and a lot of um, my friends and family members breathe in these characters as well. Mm. Um, so um, people always ask me, they're like, well, are you Sydney? Is Sydney you? And I'm like, no, it's really like, um, it's a combination of a lot of the things that have happened to me working in the industry and then stuff that's happened to my friends, um, just different experiences that all of us have had really as being openly gay out African-American men in a straight male dominated industry. Which is also now that you mentioned that um, with the book coming out, did anybody approach you and was like, yo, is this um? Is this a tell-all? Is this gonna? Am, are you gonna blow up my spot? Is this because there have been other you know books that you've mentioned by other authors that have had people wondering, hmm, is he talking about such and such? Mm-hmm. And you know that I know what that happened, and they, they start putting together timelines and think they you know that somebody's being outed, right? Or you know that their business is being put out in the street. So has anybody like come to you and be like, yo, um, is this you know? Are we keeping this where it's supposed to be? Not saying that you've done anything like that, yeah, but no. You know. Well, uh, my mom. Okay. <laughs> my right. mom. Um, when she, when I first, okay. Well, this is also something that you should know about the book. Um, I didn't tell my parents that I was writing a book. Okay. Um, I wanted to kind of like do everything on my own first, and then let them know what was happening. Mm. So when my when I told my mom finally what was happening, and she, you know, I explained to her what the book was about. She was like, "Well, am I going to find anything out about you that I don't want to know?" And I was like, "No, because the book isn't about me." Okay. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, not really. Um, most of the people that that my industry friends or people that work in the industry that I'm, that I'm cool with, they've been really supportive and they haven't said anything about, um, ask me about, is it, you know, like, are you putting anybody's business out there or anything like right. that? Um, no, no, I would never do that. <laughs> and moms are so funny. Moms are always about, don't you embarrass me. Right. Don't you do nothing to embarrass me. Right. And which, um, which leads me to this other point, this other question. So, you know, like you said, openly gay, working in the music industry. Um, was it important for you to give, well, obviously it's important for you to give a voice to gay men working in the recording industry, but why should somebody who's not gay, why would they want to pick up this book and read it? Okay, well, another big portion of um, 
why it was important for me to write this story is because I feel like a lot of times gay men are tolerated in the music industry as only one thing. Mm. We're I hate going to an event and somebody asking me, oh, are you a stylist? Are you a makeup <laughs> artist? Are you a hairstylist? No. You're an accessory, basically. Right. Uh-huh. And um, I wanted people to see that we do more than just that. There are gay men that are DJs, producers, songwriters, right. engineers, choreographers, creative directors, that we are more than just an accessory to an artist. Mm-hmm. And I'm not throwing any type of negative stigma against people that do that because that's a part that's a really big part of huge part of a well-oiled machine that is an artist but there's a there's a behind the scenes piece of it that um people don't get to see and um it's so funny i was just in the car with my friend Siren, who's an amazing songwriter and who's actually sitting in the room with us right now hey, Siren. That, <laughs> that um you know people don't see that part of a song or a project. They just think that people got together and they just threw it out there. There's a whole pre-production production and post-production process that is involved that nobody really cares about because that's why it could take years for a project to come out. Years. And people just see, the see it at product. that time mm-hmm. and they think they have what they have to say about it, but nobody really talks about what went on before that. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's just important. It was important for me that people know that we're visible in a lot of other ways than just that. So that was a a really large piece of why I wanted to, um, you know, kind of draw back the curtain on that piece of it. Mm. So you're listening to the Shuffle and Repeat podcast um, with DJ Sir Daniel and my special guest, Brian Patrick Davis, author of Songs About Boys. And um, just really breaking it down about the um, the nexus of this book and what people can um, can look forward to reading about this book. So when we come back. I'm going to, Brian is no doubt from the A and represents for the A. So we're going to talk about how Atlanta is the, um, you know, is another character in the book and what Atlanta means to him. We're also going to talk about songwriting and um, that whole studio process, because like he just mentioned, that is a, a big deal and a huge part of his life. So I want you to stay put. Keep it locked right here on the Shuffle and Repeat podcast. I am DJ Sir Daniel, and we'll be right back. This is DJ Sir Daniel. Thank you so much for listening to Shuffle and Repeat, the podcast. And right now, I want to talk to my business owners, you, the advertiser. This spot could be your own, very own, custom-made commercial spot. Let's talk about it. Email me at shuffleandrepeatpodcast at gmail.com. That's shuffleandrepeatpodcast at gmail.com. You can get your very own custom-made commercial on-air spot read live by me, DJ Sir Daniel. So let's talk about it. Now, let's get back to the show. And we're back. It's DJ Sir Daniel. This is the Shuffle and Repeat podcast. Um, My special guest is Brian Patrick Davis. Hi. Author of the new book, novel, Songs About Boys. And before we get into the other questions, I got to tell you, you know, you inspired me to um so i have an event coming up okay shuffle and repeat um prismatic it's coming up on june 24th i'll be there and you need everybody needs to be there um check out the website for all the details so 
I noticed that you did a crowd a crowdfunding for to help you with the um yes. process of getting this book off the ground. Yes. And um and I was when I was putting together the event coming up, I needed extra funds. Because yes. you know, it, it costs money to do these projects of yes. love. <laughs> Nobody is bankrolling us yet. Right. So I said, you know what? I looked at your um your Kickstarter. It was a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. I looked at your Kickstarter and I was like, you know what? Sometimes you don't have it because you don't ask for it. And so just by your um by your lead, I was like, let me just go ahead and try this. And literally within what two weeks time maybe, like we reached our goal. Yeah. So shout That's out That's amazing. It's Congratulations. Ama- thank you. Thank you. It's amazing. And shout out to everybody that helped us out on that. And um you know, shout out to the folks here in Atlanta because that's where we stay. Hey. And Atlanta plays a major role in songs about boys. So why was it important for you to represent for the A? Um, I am from Atlanta originally, mm-hmm. born and raised. I'm an original Georgia peach. You don't need a <laughs> lot of those. We're rare. We're special. Um, And, you know, it's crazy to me how much Atlanta has changed. Yes. Um, it, it, I mean, it's amazing, but it's just so interesting. Like, I grew up in Southwest Atlanta off Cascade Road, and I remember literally when Cascade was a dirt road with nothing on it. Like, mm. there was nothing on Cascade Road, and now it's like a major, like, I mean, we just opened a Chick-fil-A there a couple weeks ago. I mean, it's just really, yeah, like, it's really flourished. And um, when I graduated from high school, I moved into a condo downtown. And I got to experience a lot of, um, you know, what that life was like. Like, I was downtown when the big, the, the hipster explosion Mm -hmm. happened and all of that kind of stuff so I was I got to see a lot of things and I got to I've met the most amazing people in Atlanta um and and just um even the architect even the architecture is is inspiring because we both went to school in the AUC Mm -hmm. and just the skyline alone has changed in a few years yeah it and I, I joke about this all the time but like I be looking around like, y'all, niggas is trying to turn Atlanta into a real city. We have a streetcar. <laughs> yeah. We have a Ferris wheel. You know, it's just, it, it's, Atlanta has, I, I don't know any other way to put it aside from just saying, like, I really fuck with Atlanta. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I like, I don't know how to describe it any other way. I wouldn't, there's no other city that I could really see myself living in. And people are always like, you know, like people that I've worked with are always like, oh, you need to come to LA. Oh, you need to be in New York. And I mean, I love LA. I hate New York, but uh, yeah. Wait a minute now. I I don't, (laughs) I could never live there. No, I couldn't couldn't either. I've been here since I was 16. Yeah. I could never move back to New York to live. Yeah, I couldn't live there. I, once I'm there for more than five days, I'm like, okay. Gotta go. I gotta go. It's just, and if I ever did live there, I would have to be rolling. I would have to be bathing in money. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, That's the only just, way you can live and live because there's so much space down here. Yeah. And room to grow, room to roam. Yes. Like, And let's not even talk about apartments and houses and the difference between that because all my New York listeners you are totally jealous of what the way we live down here and it's, they come down here and they tell us that right it's the first thing out of their mouth it's the first thing like my one of my really close friends he went to Morehouse he um 
works in the fashion industry in New York and has really like become a New Yorker. Like he loves New York. Mm-hmm. And um, he pays like $2,000 to live in a shoebox. It's crazy. And, and, you know, if I had a mortgage on my house, my mortgage would be less than that. And I live in a four bedroom home with a jacuzzi and a sauna. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Tell like, about it. that's like, like I, I just, you can't go anywhere else and get that. But I, listen, let me say this. <laughs> this is not an invitation for more people to come down right, here. We're full. we're full. We don't need anybody else moving down here. Our infrastructure, they need to work on it. It's being worked on. But we're good. We're good. We don't need don't anybody come. else Just coming visit. down here. And you know what? We're good sounds like a really good song title, doesn't it? We're good. We're good. So let me ask you this. Okay. Tell me about the first song you ever wrote. And, and what was it about it that Jeez. made you believe that you had the gift? Jeez, the first song I ever wrote, or maybe and not, maybe not even the first one, but the first one that you were like, you know what, I can that do I like. this. The yeah. first song that yeah. I like, and you're like, I can do this. This is something that I can dedicate my life to, and I feel a part of this. The first song that I ever wrote, I actually co-wrote it with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend, one of my really close friends, his name is Devin. Um. And it was for a passion project that we were working on back a few years ago. We um, we put together this girl group and... Now, passion project sounds like code word for something. <laughs> what um, does that sound like to you? <laughs> it means... It means that... <laughs> We put a lot of work, work into it, and we didn't make any money <laughs> okay. of it. And that, that's how it happens. That's, that's how, how it, it is. And don't get me wrong. Like, it was probably one of the most fun times of my life ever, and I would never... Um, I would I wouldn't ch- well I would change a couple of things about it, but... If it's the group I'm thinking about, that was a pretty big deal. Yeah. It was yeah. a pretty big deal. Uh, yeah. If it, yeah, are you thinking about the yes ma'am? I sure am. <laughs> okay. The yes ma'am. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Everybody thinks that was a dope. Listen, matter of fact, Vanessa came up in my Google Play yesterday. Oh. I was jamming to Vanessa oh the, my gosh. yesterday. Look. <laughs> well, you continue to jam to it. There's some, I can't listen to a lot of those songs <laughs> anymore. Anymore. But uh, but yeah, so I mean, that was the first song that um that we we wrote the song together. And I was like, yo, like we don't need anybody else to do this. Like we can do this by ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, Devin had already, you know, Devin had already written songs that he liked and that I liked and that we liked collectively, but um I really just came in and I had this portion of a song um, that we needed something for and everybody liked it. And I was like, and once it was recorded and I was listening to it back, I was like, oh shit, like I could do this. This kind of knocks. Yeah, Yeah. it's cute. And then, um, you know, there have been a couple other songs that I've, that I've really loved um, that haven't been heard yet, Mm -mm. but maybe they will be. In the near future. Soon, in the near future. So what what makes a good song to you? Um I think that everybody deconstructs music differently. For me, I have to listen to it and get a feel for just what I'm hearing at first. You know, a lot of people say like, oh, you know, I don't listen to music that doesn't have good lyrical content or I don't listen to music unless I really love the person's voice if the person can really sing. But for me, I just have to catch a feeling from the first initial listen. And then after that, that's when I kind of like 
dissect everything else. Like, you know, I, you know, a catchy, a catchy hook is cool. You know what I'm saying? Cool wordplay is cool, but I really have to get a vibe for it first before anything else. I feel um, the same way. Like when I hear music, especially if I'm selecting, you know, if I'm pulling music for a playlist, like if I'm getting ready for a gig, if I hear new music, first thing I think is how does this make me feel? Right. And sometimes not for nothing, a lot of music that I'm hearing doesn't make me feel anything. And so it makes it harder for the playlist to include newer stuff. But that's why you DJs are some of the most talented people I know because you guys literally are like you literally tell people what to feel while they're in the moment. In the, in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you guys really like conduct yeah. You guys are conductors, really. Mm-hmm. Like, and so it, it's interesting to hear you say that. Like, even though it doesn't necessarily make you feel something, you know that it might trigger somebody else to invoke some sort of feeling or emotion. Because music right now doesn't do that for me either. Okay. Anything new, really. Yeah. And it's sad to say, and. Except for from people who I know. Who you know, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and so. It, uh, to that point, sometimes if I'm at a gig and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not playing this gig, but I'm there and I'm witnessing somebody like Hourglass, DJ Hourglass might drop something, mm-hmm. and I'm like looking at the crowd reaction, like wow, I had no idea I paid that song. I didn't think of anything of it. Yeah. Then when I see people's reaction and their connection to it, then I'll be like, okay, that can be included. So sometimes it. You know, it takes somebody to to break a record or, you know, sometimes you just have to see the other reactions for it. And um, so you mentioned Devin earlier, mm-hmm. who you've worked with in the past. Tell me um, a little bit more about your crew, the Etc. production group. Um, wow. Um, there's probably loosely like 12 um, years between all of us. Wow. Um, and... All of us, it's interesting because we all kind of like have the same brain, but not. Um, We all like stay in our lanes while occasionally swerving into the other person's lane. Mm. But it really works. Like we have a really good synergy, Um, et cetera. It's comprised of me, um, Devin, who is an amazing songwriter, um, Rob, who handles all of our business affairs, but who is also an amazing creative, um, a stylist named Icon, who is um, remote in L.A., um, my god brother Freddie, um, a producer by the name of Trap Cry, and Siren. We all kind of like work together, and um, I think... Um, I mean, I kid about this, but I think we're kind of like the Justice League of creatives. Talk when your it shit. Comes tell them. Like, tell them. Talk when your it shit. comes to, I guess, like just the whole music thing. Mm-hmm. Because, and I hate to say this, but um, I was being interviewed a couple of years ago for um, a reality TV show that okay. I didn't really want to do. But, um, one of my friends was a PA on the show and she kept asking me to to come in. And 
one of the questions was, oh, like as far as creative production teams or creative direction teams, who do you think is your competition in Atlanta? And I was like, I'm not trying to be cocky when I say this, but I don't think we have any competition because I've never seen any full-fledged projects in the way that we've created from the ground up. Like we've literally not just people come to us and been like, okay, we want you to do this. Mm -hmm. We actually have had our own projects and kind of seen them all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't really seen anybody else do that um, with something that is their own. You know, I've seen people go and work with, you know, artists that are already signed, but, but we have literally taked pennies together and, and rub them together and made it look like something, you know, like, I, I mean, going back to the whole yes ma'ams thing, like, I mean, we were literally had people coming to us like, who's behind this? Like, mm-hmm. who's doing this? And at the time, we didn't want people to know that we were behind it. So we kept wow. it very like, you know, when we were out with them, we always just told people that we were their friends. Mm-hmm. So for the longest time, that's what people thought that we were. Because and, it looked like a major label um, was putting these girls out. And we had no money. See, so and that, we and had, that's, and we listen, had zero money, like literally. But as creatives, that's what we do. Yeah. Like, like we were talking earlier, our producer here, um, Johnny Cornergay, um, was telling you about uh, the video that was produced here right. in this studio and for like no money. Yeah. And it, it can be done. And it just, it's a testament to all of those people out there, even you guys that are listening now. If you have something in your soul and in your spirit that um, that you feel like you have to put out there in the universe, totally. and you have to, it, it's burning in your soul to get this done. Sometimes you just have to do it. And to what you said about the whole Kickstarter thing, don't be afraid to ask people for help. Like yes. seriously, y'all, I had so much anxiety about asking people because you know people have their they have their preconceived notions about what they think that you do and Mm -hmm. and because of who you know and who they see you with or what they think you have. And you automatically assume that people don't want to help you because of that. And a lot of times, sometimes they don't. Right. But you won't know until you ask. And I had so much anxiety about putting the Kickstarter out there because I'm like, I work. You know what I'm saying? I make I make money doing what it is that I love to do. But at the same token, when you work for yourself, it's a constant hustle. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a constant thing. So, you know, and the book was something I was really passionate about. And I'm like, I have to live. I have to eat. I have a godson that lives with me that I have to take care of. You know what I'm saying? So I don't necessarily have. um you don't have Extreme, a machine. Yeah, you don't, don't have, have machines have, behind yeah. us. Yeah. And so I had so much anxiety. And literally, like, my publishing package was um, around a little over $5,000. Mm-hmm. I only asked for 3500 And I made over $5,000 in less wow. than 48 hours. And I had wow. no idea that the people, like, people that I knew, I mean, like, I know that people fuck with me. Like, I, I, I don't question that at all. But I had no idea that people like Solange and Janelle... Mm-hmm. Um, Monet and you know people that I've met just through this industry were gonna support me in Mm -hmm. that way you know what I'm saying and I was so thankful for for that that 
it, it was really mind blowing and really humbling. It could so, be overwhelming. Yeah, it definitely was. So that so I'm glad that you had that experience with it yes. as well because I had so much like I completely relate. I had mm-hmm. so much anxiety around doing it. I'm like, people are going like nobody is going to and you know with Kickstarter, if you don't make your goal, you don't get your money. <laughs> That's why I went with a different website cuz I was, I really did not know if I was going to make it. So I was just like, you know what? Like you said, people are you think people are going to side eye yeah. you. And, and then on top of that, people kind of abuse crowdfunding. And all the time. So you're like, okay. Get me tickets to this Beyonce right. concert. I'm trying to go to Miami <laughs> next week. And so it's like, oh, here we go. Another right. crowdfunding. Right, pro- right, right. So, but you know what? Over Overcome that. Overcome those, totally. those fears and just do it. And you mentioned something and that's going to lead us to the, um, the next segment. When we come back, okay. you were talking about people having this preconceived notion of who you are and what you do. So when we talk about that, we're going to talk about this... Um, I'm nervous. This persona, this person <laughs> that has been floating around Atlanta named Black Socialite. So when we come back, we're going to talk about exactly who the Black Socialite is. I don't know who and, that is. <laughs> and um, we're just going to continue this really dope conversation. Brian Patrick Davis is my guest. I'm DJ Sir Daniel. This is Shuffle and Repeat, the podcast. We'll be right back. This is DJ Sir Daniel, and you are listening to the best damn podcast ever. That's right. Shuffle and Repeat, the podcast. And hey, business owners, advertisers, wouldn't you like to be a part of the show? You can. All you need to do is email me at shuffleandrepeatpodcast at gmail.com. That's shuffleandrepeatpodcast at gmail.com. And we can discuss how you can have your very own custom-made commercial spot read by yours truly, DJ Sir Daniel. Come on, make that move. And we're back. It's the Shuffle and Repeat. Shuffle and Repeat, the podcast. This is DJ Sir Daniel. My special guest today is Brian Patrick Davis, author of the new book, Songs About Boys. Brian's in here trying to make me feel good about my age, talking about I'm not that much older than him. But You're not. Trust me, I'm a little bit older than you. You know, I got the gray hairs to show it, but it's all good. It's all good. I know people younger than you with more gray hair. That is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> And we're not going to talk about it. You can tell that they're not taking care of themselves. But, you know. Yeah, the turn up is real. <laughs> the turn up is a little too real. Um, Songs About Boys is available on Amazon and Barnes and & Nobles. And you'll be able to buy, like, personally shipped signed copies directly from me. Nice. From the site. So Nice. Yeah. And that's BrianPatrickDavis.com. Well, yeah, but you can get them from songsaboutboys.com. Too. Okay. It's awesome. going to be launching the same day as my party. The 22nd. The 22nd. Yeah. Uh, too bad for y'all that's not here in Atlanta. You can always make it down here in enough time to be a part of the party. Would love to see you. So before we left, we were talking about this Atlanta legend. That now it's funny that the Atlanta legend rolls with the icon, and we're very some of us are very familiar with icon. Yes, Casey is like a legend, and yes. he's and big up to him because I've seen both of you guys grow. It's amazing to me every day I think about it. I've seen a lot of people, you know, really on their hustle and and receive and reap the benefits of that hustle. It's totally. very real, so it, it can happen for you guys if you just stick to it. So, we were talking about black socialite. 
Uh-huh. And um, which is okay. So I've known you for a while, and that's uh, most people know you for that's your Twitter Twitter handle. Yes, and your social media handle. Yes. So and it gives people a certain perception of you. Yes. So how do you respond to people that asking? So where are his receipts? You know who is he? And what does he do? You know he. I see him. You know hanging with this person and that person he's hanging with Solange like but what does he do you know how do you respond to those things well more recently I don't respond (laughs) nice but um I mean I'm gonna be honest Sir Daniel (laughs) I've heard a lot of crazy things about myself um from people that don't know me what's the Um, wildest thing that you've heard um This isn't really the wildest thing that I've heard is that um, I sleep with rich white men for money. <laughs> That's the wildest thing. I mean, but who doesn't? Right. <laughs> um, right. Um, and then um, just I've heard that I'm a credit card scammer. I don't even have a credit card. So I, in my, of my own. Shout out to Joanne the scammer. Right. Um, I've heard a lot of things, but truthfully, um, I didn't even give myself the name the black socialite. Um, mm-hmm. When I was young, um, I was partying a lot, and I probably shouldn't have been. I wasn't old enough to be at a lot of the places that I used to go. Hmm. And um, the DJs and party promoters, a party promoter, um, her name is Fadia Cater. Shout out to her. Um, I love Fadia. She's, She's a, like a, a legend too. Yeah, here in the city. She's like a big sister to me. Um, we should talk broken bougie too. Like, yeah, is that that's coming back, isn't it? Well, they had a a reunion party, uh-huh. and um, I think they're gonna do like pop ups in different cities. Okay. So um, I think that they're working that out right now. I'm not too sure about exactly how it's gonna happen, but the reunion that they had was lit. Okay, of um, a couple of months ago, it was so fun, and it was really good to see a lot of um, familiar faces. But. Um, that's how I got the name. Fadia actually gave me that name. Okay. And um, I would come to those parties and the DJs or whoever was the MC, whoever, they would be like, oh, you know, shout out to Black Socialite. And at the time, that's when MySpace was really popping. <laughs> so it became my MySpace handle. Mm-hmm. And then from there, as we got to like the Twitters and the Instagram and stuff, it just it just made sense to keep everything the same. Right. So um, that's really where the name came from. Um, and I think that what attracted people to it in the initial stages before I started like writing for Concrete Loop and stuff like that was wow! Just Shout the, out to Concrete Loop and right. Angel. That yes. was really. I just spoke to Angel not yeah. too long ago. She's doing really, really well. That's what's up. Yeah, um, but I think it was just the colors and just you know. I just have always been an expressive person, mm-hmm. and um, you I called yourself a disco ball at one yeah, point, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so that, so that's, that really was where that came from is I think that, um, even if I looked a mess, I was always comfortable with what I had on and expressing myself. And I think people were just initially drawn to that. Mm -hmm. And so that's where, you know, and, and concrete loop just put that on a, 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 
a bigger platform for mm-hmm. me to express myself and get to know people. And a lot of those people I still are, are re- I'm really close friends with. Like I'm still close with Solange. Um, I still talk to Cassie all the time. Tiana Taylor, Janelle Monet. you know, I was just with her the other day. Like I still have those relationships with those people that I built in like 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009. So you mentioned Cassie real quick. So a qu- quick story. This is how loyal um, Brian Patrick Davis is. If you send him music and you tell him not to release it, or he will not. Because yeah. I have begged Brian for years for this unreleased. Was it unreleased or no? What it was it? unreleased. That- Hide. No, um, Cassie's um, "Fuck You, Fuck Silly." You, silly. you that- know what? You know what, Sir Daniel, (laughs) I'm going to send it to you. Okay. And you have to promise not to share it with anybody. I will not. Because it, okay, because you're saying, you it did leak, but it has like that tag on it. It had the tag on it. And I was like. I have it without the tag mm -hmm. and I'm going to share it with you and you have to promise not to share it. I will not. And you can only play it during your DJ set (laughs) so nobody can rip it or anything like that. Absolutely, because I used so to. I'm going to share that with you. Thank you. See, see what happens. Persistence beats resistance. It's been. It look. It took almost a decade, but I got the song because I really. That was one of those songs. I was like, this would be, make a really good fall into a really nice set. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny you were talking about all the people like Cassie and the relationships that you form. Like, what's the important lesson that you learn cultivating these relationships? Because those are those are heavy names. Those are heavy hitters, and they're connected with heavy. You know, with yeah. other heavy. Hitters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what has that taught you about how to move in this in this business, in this industry? Um honestly, I think a lot of a lot of the reasons why I think people have been cool with me is number one, I think in this industry you have to have a good face card. Like people have to be able to recognize you and when they see you with other people that they know, that person doesn't say, Oh, I know him and such and such and such and such and such. Right. Reputation is everything. Yeah. And I think that for me, I just haven't done anything crazy to anybody or given them a reason to look at me like. Right. Like sharing music with people. Exactly. (laughs) I think, I mean, I really do think that that, that that's a really important because people have gotten jobs based off of that people who you know who don't even necessarily deserve the jobs that they have they get them just because people recognize them to be good people regardless of whether or not they have the skill set or not Mm -hmm. and um and for me I think that I've just always I'm not an ass kiss I don't I don't kiss people's asses. And I think at the end of the day, a lot of those people that I named, they just respected my opinion and they saw that I had a good ear and they just, and and they knew that I was going to be honest with them about what I thought. Mm. And really, I think that that's the most, when people can see that that you're genuine, they, a lot of times they'll just, they'll, they'll open you. up yeah. and they'll, and they'll fuck with you. Like that's honestly and I know that sounds cliche, but people really, people really like connect to genuine energies, mm-hmm. and that, and that can make or break your career. Um, the types of moves that you make over the year, and I've noticed that not just you, but like your whole crew have really painstakingly curated your um careers over the years careers over the years and um so and with songs about boys coming out is it also 
a lesson to anybody that wants to get in the industry that, you know, that they can take this and say, you know what? Oh, this is how I'm going to use this as a, as a lesson on how I'm going to move within, you know, this industry in this world right now. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that there, there, there is a lesson in the book. Um, what I will say is that I think more than anything, it shows that there is a process to what goes on to what we see. And um, it really is about, um, the story has a lot to do with friendship and how it is important to have people around you that are going to keep you grounded and also keep you in check about um, how you deal with people and how you deal with um, not necessarily the people that you work with, but the people that were there before you garnered success, Right. you know? And I think that that's what's so important about um, our friend group because we, because we are friends first before we are business partners. And um, does that ever get murky? No, it, it, it never has. And I, ha- it, I know that sounds crazy, but literally like it, we, we have never like ha- I mean, of course we have disagreements about mm-hmm. certain things, but it never gets to the point where like we've ne- none of us have ever fallen out. Okay. We've never fallen out. Like it literally is like we'll be sitting down having a meeting about putting okay, so like for instance, a couple years ago before Unbreakable came out, we put together a proposal for Janet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um huh. Yes. The scoop. Come on. Let's let's go. Let's go in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We put together a proposal for Janet and um, she loved it, but I think it was a little. Um, she wanted to go for something that was more. Um, I don't want to use the word mundane, but stripped back. And okay. we were trying to make Janet like a fucking action hero. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what that's what our goal was. Mm-hmm. Um with the, I mean because we knew the, t- the the name of the album was Unbreakable before it before that was revealed. So we were trying to play off of that. Right. And we of course <clears throat> all of us are huge Janet Jackson fans and we knew that you know Janet has always wanted to be in an action movie, blah say blah say blah. And a lot of times like when we were sitting down in those initial meetings to come up with like the concept and kind of like flesh it out before we got started on actually putting the proposal together, we were like bitch that's not a good idea, bitch no, hell no. That's late. Like, we definitely go through that sort of thing. Right. But after that, it's like, okay, bitch, let's go get some Thai food. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, like, we don't ever, we <clears throat> never, we never have had any, it, it hasn't gotten murky at all. And I think that that's, I mean, knock on wood that it hasn't <laughs> been that. But yeah, we get along really, really well. Even when we get frustrated on like shoots and stuff, like, we, I mean, it never gets to that point. Yeah, because any episode of Behind the Music, Unsung, it's always money, drugs, or dick. Or, you know, sex, relationships, none whatever. Of that, are, none of us are getting dick. <laughs> that breaks up, you know, the unit. None of and, us are getting dick. Well, we're going to... And, we, and, go and also, uh-huh. um, we have... Our, our business is really set up so that when we work with a client, we know who does stuff. We get... You know, we have certain packages mm-hmm. and for 
for our clients. But then for us, we have hourly breakdowns of how that works. So if I know that I worked more than you, then I'm going to get paid more than you. So it's all spelled out. It's it's all spelled out. So we don't even have those problems when it gets when it comes to that. Awesome. And we're not getting any dick. he keeps Any saying that, but mm, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to catch him off guard and we're going to see what exactly is going on. Because no dick. The black social, you can't be a black socialite and not have a popping love life yes, in Atlanta. Can. Yes, so, you can. You know what? I think I'm going to ask about that next, when we come back from this break. Brian Patrick Davis is my special guest, author of Songs About Boys. This is Shuffle and Repeat, the podcast. I'm DJ Sir Daniel, and you know you want to come back. <laughs> Hey, you, you enjoying the show? I know you are. This is DJ Sir Daniel, and I want to talk to my small business owners and even my big business owners. You want a custom-made commercial spot read on the Shuffle and Repeat podcast? Yeah, you do. All you need to do is just email me at shuffleandrepeatpodcast at gmail.com. That's shuffleandrepeatpodcast at gmail.com. We can work this out, and you can get your very own custom-made commercial spot read live on the air by yours truly dj sir daniel it's as easy as emailing me at shuffle and repeat podcast at gmail.com and now guess what back to the show Shuffle and repeat the podcast. This is DJ Sir Daniel. My special guest is Brian Patrick Davis. Hey, hey, hey. Author of Songs About Boys and in the book, the foreword was written by your good friend Miles E. Johnson, mm-hmm. and he noticed some um, historical figures, including Sylvester, Larry Levon, Billy. Sh- I have to say Levon because I used to say Larry Levin, but it's mm-hmm. Levon, um, and Billy Strayhorn, whose works were beautiful, but yet they also made political statements. Mm-hmm. Do you see yourself following that lead? No. <laughs> okay. I don't. That's I don't, real. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I don't. Um, I'm not somebody that capes a lot for anything. Okay. Um, I kind of keep what I think about certain things. I love to have dialogue with my friends and people about stuff like that, but um, I usually don't get involved because a lot of times um, I feel like when you go, when you banter with certain people, sometimes they're not as educated as they think they are. Mm. And I just don't, I don't, I don't like to. You don't want to crush on everybody. No, not even that. I just don't. Sometimes, sometimes some conversations are just better left to be listened to. Mm -hmm. And um, I read a lot. So I I know a lot. I I make sure that I stay in the know about things, but I don't really, I (laughs) try. I don't like to seem soapboxy, so I stay quiet about a lot of things. And it takes a lot of energy, too, especially if you're talking to somebody who, like you said, who's not as informed as you are, or you can tell is just not yielding, and they suffer from the disease to be right. Or it's just being contrary for the sake of being contrary. The disease to be right. I can't stand those. (laughs) So it's like, you know... Like you said, so those conversations, you have to cut them short. And it's like, you know, that's the way you want to live. And that's the way you believe. That's I keep fine. my mouth shut, Sir Daniel. I promise. I'm with you on that because <laughs> it gets draining after a while. But um, and so when you get to those points and you want to release and, you know, like me, I like to spin. I like to dance. I like to listen to music. And Johnny Cornegay, the producer, engineer of the show, he and I were having a conversation the other day. He was at the um, Hamiltones concert. Okay. 
And there was a DJ there warming up the crowd. And the DJ was very um, skilled at playing, you know, music that all the sing-alongs. Okay. All the great music that everybody can relate to, that we all know the chorus, we know the parts, everything. Right. Then we were kind of, we stopped and we were like, looked at each other dumbfounded like, wait a minute, what, you know, is there anything new that we can do that too and that we can that's gonna outside of like your drakes and your rihanna's your rihanna's and beyonce you know who is giving us those anthems because like 10 years from now is there going to be another before i let go you know at the black family reunion probably not you know but that's a huge part of our history and how we tell stories and you know how we keep from going insane especially in these days um I don't know. I feel. Ba- I, I mean, honestly, I feel bad for what our kids are gonna consider classics. Mm. Like um, I told, I said earlier, <laughs> like my godson lives with me, and mm-hmm. like um, it's so crazy. Like I'll be in the car with him, and he'll be like, "Bibi, I want to hear move that dope." I want to hear bad and bougie. And I'm like, boy, you are four years old. <laughs> what you know Number about one. That? And, but I mean, there's songs that he's heard because of he's course. been in the car with me and he's heard them, but I just, I don't know. I, I think that that's why, um, you know, like how you go to the club and you still hear before I let go. Yeah. I think, People are still going to be hearing before I let go, and it's still so going to be before I let go for them. I don't, I don't foresee any. I mean, I know we have songs like "Single Ladies," but even that to me is like, you know, that's going to be the new wedding song for it's, for people. It's the wedding. Song. It's the wedding song. It totally is. So, but but even that is like, and y'all, I I love Beyonce. Don't you know. I'm the Beyonce. <clears throat> we know. Like stop. But um, <laughs> Bayhive yeah, official, right? But. Even that to me is not what like love on top. Love on top is a yeah. sta- is a yes. standard. Yeah, I think a it's standard. a new standard. Definitely, now. definitely. Single ladies is niche. Yeah. Very totally, niche. totally, totally. I got so, it. So yeah, I don't know. I feel sorry for I feel bad. Okay, so it's not just me. No. I okay. feel bad. I'm I'm actually scared. Yeah. Yeah, I really think about the whole the passing on of legacy and the art of songwriting. You when know. kids that when kids are my age, their classics are gonna be like, "All my friends are dead," um, and I just and that's mm. sad. That's depressing to me. Yeah. So okay, so on <laughs> to happier things, um, like the book "Songs About Boys," and we spoke earlier about um, Miles doing the forward for mm-hmm. you, um. Anybody else that you, um, I know there's a, a long list of people that you thanked in writing the book. Yeah. But anybody else in particular that, you know, you hadn't had an opportunity to thank, you want to thank publicly? Um, I mean, just really everybody that contributed their minds, you know. Mm. I was able to listen to a lot of people and take from a lot of people's stories like like Devin, um, Rob, Casey, Fred, um, my best friend, Superstar, my best friend Lindsay, my best friend Crystal. Like I said, all of those, all of the characters in that book are literally modeled after somebody that I really adore. Awesome. Um, so, um, of course, names and things are changed, but um, but everybody that I know and love appears in that book some kind of way. So, I mean, I think that that's the biggest, the biggest thank you that you can give to somebody is that you you modeled. Character your character after after them and they helped you kind of like 
you know, tell this story. And now you're immortalized in a book that will last forever and ever and ever. In the Library of Congress. In the Library of Congress. <laughs> so before we wrap up the show, and I know Johnny's looking at me, before we wrap up, I want to do a rapid fire with you. Okay. So rapid fire with Brian Patrick Davis. So just the first thing that comes to your mind when you um you just spit it out. Okay. okay. Name a song you wish you wrote. Um, oh shit. Uh Power Fantastic by Prince. Wow. Any reason in particular? It's just uh that song is just gorgeous to me. It's so pretty. It's just I love that song. And it's Prince. Yeah. And it's Prince. I mean, duh. Okay. Ellie and Babyface or Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis? Um, Jimmy and Terry. Why? Not that uh, I disagree, but I mean, because both of them are all—they're all dope sauce. But my Jimmy older Jan- sister is a huge, was a huge um, Prince fan, and that whole Minneapolis. I mean, and then she's also a huge Janet fan. I mean, that's just yeah, mm-hmm. Jimmy and Terry, definitely. Jimmy and Terry, all the way. Although I love Baby and um, at LA, LA too, I, but yeah, yeah. Jimmy They're, and Terry. Because quite honestly, they are the architects of like modern black music yeah most definitely okay and you should have said lisa and wendy too wendy and lisa (laughs) you know i think they deserve an unsung yeah they really do because if you look at most credits of black movies they always score them wow like if just just watch black movies they Mm -hmm. they are always involved awesome yeah okay yellow legal notepad or iphone oh i have I have so many journals at home. Mm-hmm. So not a legal pad, but a journal. Something, a handwritten. Yeah, Because can, can I tell you, it drives me crazy seeing like on reality shows and people are in the studio with their phone, with their phone. reading lyrics. I'm like, how can you get into a song and the lyrics if you're looking at it on your little itty bitty And phone. I'm going to be honest, Sir Daniel, I do that. Like, when we write stuff, we mm-hmm. write it down. Okay. But when we're working with people, we'll text it in the booth. Gotcha. But but I prefer to write things down. I write stuff down. I have a bag full of pens in mm. my backpack, and I carry something to write with all the time. All, all the, the time. time. Okay. Favorite after studio session meal? Uh, JR Crickets. JR Crickets. Okay. Wet extra crispy extra crispy extra crispy okay and you have to look if you never had jr crickets please go you have to go you find out why all right and the final rapid fire question does she have the range she doesn't she does not but i do but you do (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't have the range oh speaking of she doesn't have the range so okay this just recently happened like what when an artist like are you about to talk we don't slander Tinashe. It's not slander, but I'm just gonna ask. So, like, when she makes a statement of regarding about her perceived lack of success and um, putting that on the black community, where do you think that comes from? Um, I don't think. Uh, first of all, um, I think that people should read the article instead of just reading headlines. Okay. Um, Tinashe never said that she. I don't think she she doesn't I think she just feels like black people don't feel like she's black enough. And I can definitely understand why she feels that way, but also on the flip side of that coin, you can't say that when you are also doing collaborations with Britney Spears. Not saying that black people don't like right. Britney Spears cuz I love Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. I love her. But um I think that Tinashe because she is a black girl that makes um perceivably pop music i think that it confuses black people and i think that a lot of times as the 
the normal black consumer mm-hmm. wants to see black people doing what they perceive to be black, black shit. shit. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's more so <laughs> what she was saying as opposed to saying like, oh, black people don't fuck with me because I'm too light skinned. No, I, I think that what she was trying to say is because I'm a black girl, people think that I should be doing black things and I don't always want to do that. So I'm going to do what the fuck I want to do. Wow. This could definitely go on to like a whole nother show. I know. Show. I want to come back. You can, there's always an open door policy over here. <laughs> Songs about boys available on Amazon, barnesandnobles.com. Any digital retailer that sells books. Books a million, all of it. And songsaboutboys.com is the website. Yes. Songsaboutboys.com. It will be launching at midnight. On the 23rd or maybe on the 22nd. Somewhere around then. So by the time the show airs, it's out. It will it will be available to you. So go ahead and cop that. Brian Patrick Davis, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Listen, as always, this is DJ Sir Daniel, and I'm always doing this for the culture. So keep listening, keep subscribing. You know I'm on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. Uh, everywhere everywhere just go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss out on another episode thank you so much for joining me it's dj sir daniel this is shuffle and repeat the podcast